The message you are listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, at the 2018 Established Summer Training Project. More information about Campus Outreach Minneapolis can be found at cominneapolis.org. Oh, nice. Savvy with the Britney mic. Is it working? Yeah, there we go. Um... So, last week when Zach and I led music, I feel like he stole some of my thunder for tonight. Um, He let the cat out of the bag of sorts. I'm not the happy maintenance guy of the project. And uh, it's funny, someone was telling me this story. The first night that we were here, I was talking with Peter because he was making a game. And then I I didn't eat and he didn't eat. And I was like, hey man, do you want to go out to eat? And so I took him out, we had dinner. But then someone was relaying that later, and they were saying, yeah, I was talking to Peter, and he said, yeah, this, like, the maintenance guy asked me out to eat. And it, was, it was so creepy. But then I thought, hey, I mean, free meal. I mean, who comes down a free meal? Um, and then we're having dinner, and I realized, wait a second. This is the guy in charge of everything. So uh, I'm, I'm the director of Campus Outreach. I'm all the staff. I'm their boss, and I'm the owner of the hotel, which, which I'm tempted to, to name the Millennium Falcon. Um, because it, it is capable of light speed, but it is always under repair. Um, so uh, I'm glad you guys are here. You've, oh yeah, this is my other technological thing. Check this out. This is my remote control clicker. Let's see if it works. Boom. So you guys have seen my family running around. Thank you for those who've let my daughter sit with you at meals. Some people took Maddox out to get crepes. She talks about it like that will be her highlight of the project. And I really hope that being here will make an eternal impact on them. Like I know some of you grew up like as pastor's kids or missionary kids, and that's a challenging thing. And so I'm always aware that my daughters are growing up as like a pastor's kid. And so I think opportunities like this where I don't have to be their hero, but people like you can be their heroes, is a huge thing. So thank you, I really love that. Um, and then my wife, I, I wish that she was here. She had to leave with the kids, but uh, she read over this talk, so this is as much her as it is me. Um, and uh, this is my 20th summer training project, and I love being here. Like it is, I, I wasn't here last year, and so it's taken me longer to learn people's names because all it takes is one year and you're out of the loop. But this is like one of my happiest places on earth. And so much of that is because God is doing things in powerful ways in all of your lives. And so just to be here, like I love unclogging your drains. And I love fixing your air conditioners. And I love getting to study the Bible with you and little conversations. Everything to me is a blessing. And so to get to speak to you tonight, to get to share some thoughts that I have, I I don't take that for granted. So thank you for the, the chance to share and for listening to me. And here's where I want to start. So like I said at at dinner, our staff team has been reading through C.S. Lewis, and we've all been studying Colossians. So tonight you're going to get a nice little dose of Clive Staples and a nice dose of Colossians. If you have a Bible, just open up to Colossians chapter 1. And I'm going to talk about a number of different things from time to time. Um, And the first C.S. Lewis quote that I have of the night is this. He says, This is the real labor of life, to remember, to attend, in fact, to come awake, still more to stay awake. And he says that because he says the challenge is that we're distracted. We're not where we are. I think a missionary named Jim Elliott said, wherever you are, be all there. And so what I want to ask you guys to do tonight is to be all here. And step one of that, I don't have mine. I I took it out and turned it off. Can you pull out your phone? Don't just silence it. This, this might be so challenging for some of you. And if it is, then you have an addiction and you need to talk to someone about it. But can you turn it off? Not silence, not just put it away, but actually turn your phone off. Because I, I want you here. And I want to help you stay awake. And, and not, by that I don't mean like, not fall asleep. Maybe, maybe you're tired and you will fall asleep tonight. I hope not. I, I have a multimedia extravaganza to try and prevent that. But I, I want your attention because for whatever reason, this is the night 
This is the talk that God has given me. And all of you who are here, we've talked to dozens more students who didn't come to this project, but you all came. So God has lined it up so that what I have to say and who you are and what you need is all coming together in this moment. And so believe it or not, right now, this is the most important moment that there is because this is where you are and this is where God has you. And I want you to be all here. So you got to fight to do it. Um, the first thing I want to do is give you a, a reminder. And I have it in quotes because you'll see as I play the video, um, it's kind of a funny reminder. So Jacob, my, my PowerPoint extraordinaire, my computer, my technological guru is going to make this happen. It's, it's from Finding Nemo. Hopefully you've seen this movie. It would make a good boat social, I think. So I like that because it's, the reminder is that all of us have short-term memory loss. Um, there's another movie that came out a long time ago called Memento about a guy with short-term memory loss. He has to write every, like, everything that happens down on note cards. And I had a really good friend. He was actually on staff with Campus Outreach when I was on staff with Campus Outreach in South Carolina. And he had a, a brain tumor that was like right here on his frontal lobe. And when they removed it, he lost the ability to make short-term memories. And I mean, he was probably uh, late 20s when that happened. And he had to like write down things and have all kinds of reminders because he couldn't remember stuff. And believe it or not, you might not think you do, but all of us have like short-term memories. And we forget things. We forget the most important things. Um, oh yeah, that's my reminder for this YouTube clip. <laughs> So before, before I tell you what you need reminding of, here's the all-important question. Here's my next C.S. Lewis quote. In the end, the face, which is the delight or the terror of the universe, must be turned upon each of us, either conferring glory inexpressible or inflicting shame that can never be cured or disguised. I read in a periodical the other day that the fundamental thing is how we think of God. By God himself, it is not. How God thinks of us is not only more important, but infinitely more important. Indeed, how we think of him is of no importance, except insofar as it is related to how he thinks of us. And so my question for you is, how does God think about you? 
if you could see God right now, what would his face look like as he looked at you? I mean, when, when Ido was sharing, he mentioned disappointment. It, would that be his face towards you? Would it be unmet expectations? Like, that would be his face. Because what, what C.S. Lewis is saying is that there is no in-between. Either happy, delighted, glory inexpressible, or incurable shame. And what, what would it be? Because anything in between, indifferent, upset, you can do better. Sad, kind of tapping his foot, looking at his watch, like doing this. What's his face towards you? What would it be? Um, and I would say that what you think about God's face towards you also reveals in some way your view of God and how distorted it is. Because if, it, if, if you say, I'm a Christian, and you believe that his face towards you is not one of joy, not one of pleasure, not one of delight, not one of this is my beloved son or daughter in whom I am well pleased, then something is up about the way that you view God. Because what he says, oh yeah, there's a question, is that he made him, for our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is what we forget. It's like every night we go to sleep and this shell grows over us, that we wake up in the morning and have to peel off to, to remind ourselves that God loves you. If you're trusting him, if you're a Christian, he smiles on you. That is all he has for you. There is no disappointment. There, there is no indifference. There is no upset. There is no sad. There is no angry. It's only joy because he sees you as righteous. And it's so easy to slip into, no, that's not what he thinks. In our family, we have six things. It's the Poteet family creed. And the first one is Jesus Christ is king. And the second one is, we love you no matter what. And I want my daughters to know that. Because that, in Christ, is how God views them. And how he views you. He loves you no matter what. There's nothing you can do to make him love you any more. And there's nothing you can do to make him love you any less. Do you know that? Like, do you remember that? I would venture to say, probably, you forget it every day. Every day you have to remind yourself. And the thought that he loves you no matter what, that means any kind of sin in your life. Maybe it's sexual sin for guys or for girls. Maybe it's, it's a lot of selfishness. Maybe it's anger. Uh, maybe it's like past wrongs or deception or pride or arrogance. That he doesn't count that against you. He's forgiven all of that. It's, it's unconditional. It's not based on how strong your faith is. He says in the Gospels that a bruised reed he will not crush and a faintly smoldering wick he won't extinguish. Like even if you just have a little bit of faith, the size of a mustard seed, that's, that's all it takes. There, there were Israelites, whenever the Passover came and they had to put blood on the door, if you guys know that story, I'm sure there were some who were like, yes, like the blood, we're going to be saved. And there were others who were like, yeah, I mean, seriously, like this is too much for me. And who got saved? Both of them, regardless, because it's not about how strong your faith, it's about the blood. Um, it's not based on how clear your testimony is. You hear a lot of testimonies up here, and you might think, this doesn't sound like me. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. I, I would have said that I became a Christian when I was 11. I prayed the prayer in my church, and then I probably prayed the prayer another 13 times over the next 10 years. Um, and so if you ever prayed a prayer, I, I want to promise that you didn't just pray it once. Like... Every time someone said, hey, just close your eyes, pray this prayer, you're like, you know, just for good measure. Um, and I want, I want to make sure, you can never be too sure, so I'm just going to say the prayer again. Um, and what, what really matters is not when, when you think Christ uh, became real in your life. What matters is, are you trusting in him now? Is he your savior, your Lord, your, most importantly, maybe your treasure tonight? Because a lot of people can be, I think I was deceived. I didn't want to admit that when I was 11 years old, I didn't become a Christian. And I think I became a Christian my freshman year in college. But it took a few years after that to be able to say that I became a freshman in college because 
I held on to this thing that happened way back in my life, and that was a source of pride for me. Like, I've been a Christian for a long time. Don't let that deceive you. All that matters is, are you trusting him now? Do you know him now? That's what's powerful. And do you remember that? Um, that truth, that God loves you no matter what, because of what Christ has done, if you're, if you're trusting in Christ, is the most important thing. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, it is of first importance that Christ died for your sins and that you know that. Um, and it, it, it's the, the ground of the Christian life, the foundation of the Christian life. And so I want to pray that if you don't know that truth, if you don't believe that reality, you don't believe that God's face towards you is one of delight and joy, that that will be what sinks in, that that will be what you're reminded of. Because everything else I'm going to say is built on that truth. So let me pray. Father, thank you that you sent your son to die for us. That in Jesus we have life and forgiveness in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. Not just now, but for all eternity. There's no wrath ever. You did not spare your own son, so how will you not along with him now graciously give us all things? So I pray for these men and women in here tonight that they would know that, they would live in that, that despite anything else that I say, that that is what, if nothing else, they walk out clinging to, trusting, maybe some, for the first time ever in their lives, that they would know that reality because it's so freeing, it's so amazing. It is the good news. And so make it clear, make it real, make it powerful, and help us to remember it every day with our short-term memory loss, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Um, so usually, I'll give a talk and that's kind of where I stop. Like, it is finished. That's what, what you know, Jesus said when he died on the cross. He breathed his last and said, it is finished. And so I like to just kind of end it there because that's all you need to know. Like, that is the truth of the gospel. Is there, there's nothing else. But is that all there is? Like, is there, is there more to it? But like I said, I think some of you should just stop right there. And, and I, again, I feel so much tension in sharing with you tonight because I don't want to really go past that truth. I don't want to go past that reality because it could confuse you. It could befuddle you. You could, you could believe that uh, you're the ground of your faith the completed work of what Christ has done for you. And it is, is what, like, that's the ground. And then your continued growth and change in Christ, that's the goal of your faith. You'll get those mixed up. You'll base your standing with God on what you do, on how you live. Maybe another way to say it is you will obey to be accepted as opposed to believing that you're accepted so that you could therefore obey. Do you see that distinction? Like in going on from what Jesus has done for you and what growth and change looks like in the Christian life, it, it, could, it could confuse you. And so I feel really uh, worried about that. And especially for those in here, and I know there are some in here who, who are questioning what they think about Christianity, what you think about God. I don't want you to lose sight of it's all about putting your faith in Christ. Um, and there's a... There's a, a no, I didn't put it up there. There's another C.S. Lewis quote. He says, if you aren't sure that you love God, ask yourself, what would I do if I were sure that I love God? And when you found that answer, go and do it. Um, so if you're not sure, what, what would your life be like if you were sure? And go do that thing. And some of you are here at this project, and that's what it is. Like you're doing this thing to try to answer that question and try to understand. Um, so... To not mention growth in Christ, fellowship with Christ, misses the point of why God has saved you. His saving you is the ground of, of your life. But continued fellowship with him, growing, becoming more like him, is the goal of your life. And so here's, here's a, a way to think about it. Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right. Stopping the leaks. This is kind of like the hotel, you know. Um, stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts terribly. 
and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house than the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage. But he is building a palace. And he intends to come and live in it himself. And, and once you're trusting Christ, once you're saved, once, once you're born again, the rest of the Christian life is becoming a place where God lives. This is, uh, this is my a very fancy handkerchief illustration. Um, if this is your life, right? Becoming a Christian is like having the righteousness of Christ draped over your life, right? To where what God sees when he looks at you is perfect, flawless, son, daughter. And then what happens after that is for the rest of your life, what God starts doing, how he starts working, is working that inside of you and changing you, making you a place where he's going to dwell forever. And that's what I want to talk about. How does that happen? What is that like? How, what, what next? I mean, I don't like saying it because it's like, what do, I, what do you do? But remember, if, if you forget that it's what he's done, then you start to mix it up. And that's why this seems like a slippery thing to talk about. Um, maybe a way to think about it is, you know, where is this? Where are we? So just imagine right now that the candles are floating or the star, the, like if the roof was off, we're looking at the lightning storm and we're in Hogwarts. What is more important, the foundation of this room or the feast that is about to happen, right? Because if you don't have the, if you don't have the banquet hall, the great hall, you can't have the feast, like you can't have the tables and the food and the celebration and all of that. So to say which is more important is, is hard to do. Another way is like um, my family, we drove out to San Francisco from Minneapolis last year. We hit the Badlands, Lake Tahoe, Salt Lake City, Muir Woods, Yosemite, uh, Sequoia National, Vegas. Woohoo! Um, we just drove through it late at night. It was, it was kind of crazy. We drove through all of Colorado, stayed in Denver, Utah. Like I love and, and at the end of it, my six-year-old daughter, Sophie, she goes, Dad, this is the best summer ever. Uh, after two weeks on the road. Um, and I think we only watched two movies the whole time on that road trip, which is pretty impressive. That's like a parent one. Um, what's more important, like the road or the journey? Like, you can't go on the journey without the road. But what's the point of the road without the journey that you're on? And so when you think about life in Christ, growing in Christ-likeness, change in your life, think about it like this. Like, yes, you, you are His. And now that you're His, you're His for fellowship with Him, for life with Him, to get the lovely spotted handkerchief inside of you, to have that righteousness inside of you. Um, so whatever illustration kind of helps. But again, what is it like? And so, um, you know, what's more important, the building foundation or the feast, the road or the journey. We were talking about the difference between the ground and the goal. Um, I had, I'll, I'll go off this verse for a second. I had an entirely different talk planned until this morning when David and Leo and I studied this verse together. Hopefully you guys, here's a, here's, here's a shout out for Zach in scripture memory. Who has the theme verse memorized? Who can, who can quote it for us? Anybody? Someone, anyone. What is it? Just say it. Therefore, as you receive Christ uh, Jesus, so uh, walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. All right, there you go. Zach said whoever quoted it would get a substantial sum of money from him tonight. So find him, make him, make him. He's good for it. I know he is. He told me, he said, Paul, regardless of what I say after that, make me do it. So, um, but I think this kind of gets at the point. So what I want to do is I just want to kind of walk through this verse. This is like uh, inductive Bible study altogether. Um, and I'm trying to do this, and Zach is the Bible study guy. And so just be, great, be gracious to me, Zach. Um, first thing, 
is uh, whenever you see a therefore in a verse, you should ask the question, what's the therefore? Therefore. There you go. That is, that is just pure, free, sweet gold. Um, so what is the therefore, therefore in this passage? Because that, that makes a big difference as he goes into it. He's saying, therefore, because of something that happened back here, you should then be aware of this. And so this is what happened back there. I know this is a little chunk, but that's why you got to look up. You have the whole book of Colossians. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works in me. So Paul really cares that these people are presented mature in Christ, right? And he wants them to know how great a struggle he has for them. And all those at Laodicea, and, all, and those who haven't seen him face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So I think that is, again, part of what it's like to be mature, to grow into maturity in Christ. Then he says, I say all of this so that no one would delude you with plausible arguments, because there are people out there who are trying to say different things than this. We were trying to confuse you, trying to tell you there's more to it than this. For though I'm absent in body, yet I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Um, so there's the passage. What's the therefore, therefore? I, I think Paul is struggling for them to be mature. For them to be, that, that word means complete or full. And that's what he wants for them. So therefore, because I'm struggling, because I want you to be mature, established, if you will, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Um, so that's the first thing. Second thing is, okay, well then what does it mean to walk in him? Because that, that's the way that I follow it. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And I think if you double click on walk in him, you would get, what's it mean? You would get first rooted and built up in him and then established in the faith, just as you were taught. So I think he's referring back to Epaphras, who came and talked to them, and the stuff that he was writing just before this. Like, this isn't something new. This is what I was telling you. I mean, this is what I want you to be. So, again, let me try to sum it down. I think what it means to walk in him has something to do with being mature and complete in Christ. And... What that looks like is being rooted and built up in him. Rooted is like tapping into the root. Built up is now built on a foundation. And established is, is what this is in the faith. Um, so how then are we established? Like how, if that's what Paul wants. If he wants us to walk in him, how does that happen? What does that look like? And I've got three things. There are three ways. Um, I think the first is you need to establish yourself. Um, what I mean by that is that you are his. Like it's almost ironic to say establish yourself because you don't own yourself. Your life is not your own anymore. Um, and, and Paul says that in Colossians 3. He says, you've died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, who is yourself, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And it's easy for us to think that our life is our own. But your life is not your own. You are his. The way C.S. Lewis says it is, God is not claiming this much of our time or that much of our attention. He is claiming us, ourselves the totality of who and what we are. That is his claim. So make no mistake, to trust in Christ is to say, my life is yours. Not just a little bit here, not a little bit there, all of it. My life is hidden with Christ. It's almost, you know, it's, it's like you can't see yourself. You're hidden with him, covered in him. It's not your own. You have to let go of all of that. Um, and that, that can be challenging. So the one step in there is, how, what does that look like? First thing I'd say is don't take yourself seriously. Um, if, if 
yourself doesn't matter anymore because you're his, then lighten up. And I wish I could do this. My staff team hears me talk about this all the time. Like, I love people who don't take themselves seriously. I want to be like them. I make fun of Zach so much because he doesn't care. And I wish that people made fun of me more because they knew I don't care. Like, I have seen this, and he, he might not think this, others might not think that, but here at Project, as, as I or others have made fun of Alexis, I think he just kind of rolls with it. And I love that about him. He doesn't take himself too seriously. There's a guy who used to be on staff with us. His name was Tim Devane. He is, he, him and Zach kind of rival each other for who takes themselves the least seriously. Um, and I, I, just, I just want to be like people like that. I think Brittany, we were having lunch today and she was laughing at herself. Brittany does not take herself too seriously. And it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's a, a very Christ-like thing because your life is not your own. It's his. And uh, I, I want this for me. I want it for my daughters. Like my oldest daughter, Maddox, she takes herself so seriously sometimes. If she is like doing something and she slipped and fell and didn't really get hurt that much and we kind of giggled at her, like game over. You know, the fact that you laughed at her and, and what I try to talk to her about, it's like me, you know, trying to reason. I'm like, do you not hear what C.S. Lewis says, babe? Like, you can listen to this, sweetie. Like, he's got really good stuff about not taking yourself too seriously. But it just kind of keeps going overhead. There's going to come a day where it starts to click. So in my attempt to not take myself too seriously, uh, over the weekend, I went to this 100-year celebration of my home church back up in Spartanburg. And I, as I was walking through the history room, there were all these church directories. And I found a church directory from 1985. And, uh, well, <laughs> you know whenever, like, on Facebook, it says something like awkward family photos. And you scroll through it and you think, man, I'm glad I don't have one of those in my family. Well, that's how I think. I'm like, man, our family doesn't have an awkward family photo. Yes, we do. Um, <laughs> like, there is so much going on here. For one, my brother has this butt cut that is just rocking. You can't, if it, if it was like uh, 1080p, then you'd be able to see it a little bit better. But it's, I mean, this is an old 1985 picture. My dad and those dark rimmed glasses. I mean, what family dresses their seven-year-old in, in that? Like, it's, it's just screaming, uh, like, children of the corn kind of cult thing. Um, my sister, I mean, the, the most glaring thing is she and I have the exact same complexion. Girl was working hard that summer to lay out so much that she didn't want to be, like, lightly darker. She didn't want to be brown. She was going for orange. She's like, I don't want any word to rhyme with me. Um, the, the, the orange look. And then, as much as she did not want to try to be like her mom, I mean, it's like blue dress. It's like your pearls aren't quite as long, but those imitation pearls have they got it going on. Um, and like my ears, all my life growing up, I dealt with people noticing how big my ears were compared to the rest of my body. And over time, the rest of my body has just grown into my ears, so they don't look as big. But it was the most insecure thing about me growing up is how big my ears were. I, I didn't like the Disney movie Dumbo because I felt shame like watching it. It was hard for me. Um, and uh, it's been good for me to be able to talk about myself like this, to know, yes, there is an awkward family photo out there of me that I could post and people can make comments on, to try and not take myself seriously. And can you do that? Can you ask God that to, to help you know that your life is not yours, that it's his, and that you're not a big deal? And to laugh at yourself is okay. There, there are some of you who love to be laughed at um, as a way of, like, that's your identity, is to be the funny person. That's what I'm talking about. There's something that's, that's freer than that, of just acknowledging that you're not a big deal, and it's okay if you mess up. It's okay if you're wrong. It's okay if you make a mistake. It's okay if you hurt someone's feelings or if you sin. That's okay. You can talk about it. It's not a big deal. Um, so you're his. Don't take yourself seriously. And know that your choices, even the smallest choices, are such a big deal. Um, 
another C.S. Lewis quote, I'll go back. This is the time when people will like move past the PowerPoint when you're trying to get it down. Your choices, even the smallest ones, are a big deal. Um, well, first of all, this quote talks about compound interest. Are there any finance people in the room? Like account? Okay, what is compound interest? Do you know? Can you give us like a good definition? Layman's terms? Okay, yeah, this is great, this is great. Teach us. <laughs> it has, like, the, um, the formula is a lot different, and so it has to do with the, uh, the how do I put it? It grows a lot. It grows a lot. Yeah. Simple interest is just a little bit. Yeah, that's right. Snaps. <laughs> Compound interest means if you invest a little bit now, it's kind of like if you all invested $1,000 a month now for, the, for just one year versus in 20 years investing $10,000 a month, you would make more money because it multiplies. It compounds on itself. It grows bigger and bigger and bigger. That's why you're, you set up 401ks and retirement things because they're all compounding interest. They grow over time. You need to know that. Good and evil both increase at compound interest. That is why the little decisions you and I make every day are of such infinite importance. The smallest good act today is the capture of a strategic point from which a few months later you may be able to go on to victories you never dreamed of. An apparently trivial indulgence in lust or anger today is the loss of a ridge or railway line or bridgehead from which the enemy may launch an attack otherwise impossible. What that means is that every little choice that you make, every little decision today, tonight, tomorrow morning is a much bigger deal than you think. I try to think of what are some of the little decisions you might make. Maybe you would wake up in time tomorrow to read the Bible before going to work. Maybe you haven't done that all summer. Like to get up early, that's just not you. That's not your deal. Um, afternoon is so much better for you. But Maybe if you got up, who knows? Maybe if you read the Bible with another person. I've tried for my weeks down here to study the Bible with a different person every day, and I love it. It's one of my favorite things to do at Project is to read the Bible with other people because I learn so much from them. It's so helpful. Like doing that with David today changed this entire talk tonight uh, because I just started looking at all these places in Colossians. It does so much for you. Maybe really trying to memorize the Bible. I loved what Zach said on Friday, and I think others of you did too. And it just brings to bear how powerful it is to learn and memorize God's Word. Maybe to try and identify why those things, getting up to read the Bible, doing with another person, memorizing, are hard for you. Maybe telling someone how you're really doing. It's easy to just say, fine, good, okay, eh, same old, same old. But when people ask you what's going on or how was your day, can you really talk about it? Um, maybe asking others how you can grow. And that is a risky question to ask other people. Like, what can change in my life? What needs to grow in my life? But if you ask that question right now at your age and become aware of something that you can ask the Lord to change, who knows what that's going to mean? Compounding interest in 10 years. Like the scripture that I memorized when I was a freshman or a sophomore on project is the scripture today that comes most easily because I made an investment way back here. Who knows what it will do? Um, maybe leaving your phone in your room for an hour so that, so that you go on a walk or you're hanging out on project and your phone is nowhere to be found. Um, my wife does that all the time. It's called losing it. Um, <clears throat> uh, maybe just going for a walk. Like going for a walk. I, I love walking by that marsh over there, like the little marsh walk at the right time of the day. Wrong time of day, it's kind of smelly and hot and everything, but the right time of day, it's just beautiful. Um, maybe coming in a little bit early before curfew so that you can go to bed so that it will be easier to get up. I, I don't know. I don't know what the little choices might be that God would have for you this summer but they make a difference. Don't think that some small choice is insignificant. They're powerful. And all of that helps you to establish yourself.
then you have to establish your love for things outside of yourself. Establish your love for things outside of yourself. Uh, Our boy Clive says, To love and admire anything outside of yourself is to take one step away from utter spiritual ruin. Uh, Maybe another way to think about it is, do, do you want to be impressive or do you want to be impressed? Because the world around you is so impressive. Like, I was just trying to think of things. This would, this would be a, a cool little thing for people to just kind of chime in. Um, like, when there's a lightning storm, like to look out over the ocean or over the marsh and see the lightning like up in the clouds. Like, even, did you guys notice walking over here tonight, like the dark clouds swirling over this place? Like, I find that to be fascinating. Like, sunsets, I think the beach houses on the marsh over here, um, the, I would love to have one of those. I never will, but I think they're really beautiful. And just every time I drive over the marsh, I'm like, man, that would be a cool place to live. Um, good coffee. Uh, it's not for me, but I know for many of you, that is a delight outside of yourself. It made me a little bit too much of a delight. Sharks on the pier. My daughters and I, every day we've been down here, they're like, in the afternoon, can we go to the pier? And if you look over the pier, if you just kind of stare in the same spot for about 10 minutes, eventually there's like a four or five foot black tip shark that swims around there, just around the pier. There was a huge sea turtle that swam up. It was like this big. And I mean, Sophie would do it for hours and hours just to see sea creatures like that. Um, A good book. Like some of you know, I was talking to someone and they were like, we were sharing as a team today and they went to a bookstore and read a magazine. It was just a delightful experience. What else? What are other things like that? Little things outside of yourself you delight in. Popcorn. What are some? Podcasts. Certain podcasts. What else? Drawing. Drawing. Yes. What? Smells. Yes. Some. <laughs> some. Some smells. Yes. Definitely. Music. What up? What? Music. Music. Poetry. Poetry. Yeah, poetry. What? Getting to know people. Yes. Getting to know people. We're getting there. Don't, don't steal my thunder, man. Chill out. Ice cream. Yeah, ice cream. In the back. What's something in the back? Let's hear it. Someone in the back. Okay. Cooking. Yeah, in the back over here. What's something? Stars. Yes. Like, I mean, look what he says. Like, to admire those things. The reason it's so powerful is because it takes your gaze off yourself and puts it on things out there. We could go on and on over that. That, that would be one of the first things. The, the next thing would be to love others sincerely. Um, to, and, and again, Paul tells us to do this. Colossians 3.14 and above, he talks about these things we need to put on. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Like all through Colossians, we're called to have the same mind, to, to love one another, to forgive one another. Like getting to know other people is such a beautiful and powerful thing. It, it's really, at the end of the summer, we'll do this uh, evaluation. And without fail, hopefully me saying this doesn't like destroy this evaluation. But what is our staff will be able to know the top two things always, always on every evaluation that we ever do for our summer training project are community and no, but that's kind of community. Community and just all the teaching. Usually, I mean, some of you are kind of like right now, like, man, would he please stop? Like, this is not what I love the most. But in general, like all the truth that you get exposed to over the course of the project, usually people are like, that was one of my highlights. And then living in the Millennium Falcon for two months with all these other people, having dinner when it's a thunderstorm, and doing a boat social, and dressing up and doing crazy things. Like just being around people is such an amazing thing. Um, there's a book that I read in the spring by a guy named Jordan Peterson. It's called 12 Rules for Life. It's kind of a self-help book. But his, he also, so he's an atheist who is a clinical psychiatrist and sees thousands of people, and he loves the Bible. It's so, it was so weird, like, reading his chapters because so many of them, everything that he's basing his information on is coming straight out of the Bible. But yet, he's not a Christian. It was really weird, but insightful. This is one of his rules. Don't compare yourself to other people. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday. And I really like that. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to other people. If you remember, when Reed gave his talk two weeks ago, He kind of talked about comparing yourself to God and you understand his holiness and helps you understand your sinfulness. And comparing yourself to God is is a hard and scary thing to do sometimes, right? Because the the gap is so big. Um, 
But then what we tend to do is we compare ourselves to other people. And all that that leads to is competition. It leads to, well, it's comparison. It, it leads to criticism. As you look at other people, when you think, man, I'm just not as good as she is. I don't do this as well as he does. I wish I was more like that person. Am I even growing? Is God even doing anything in my life? Because I'm not like them. And not that other people, there aren't things you can learn from them, but it's so easy at a place like this with a hundred other people your age to judge yourself and measure yourself up by other people as opposed to who were you yesterday? Who were you a month ago? Who were you five months ago? Like when I think about who I was at my first summer project, when I think about who I was when I was seven years old and that blazer and that clip-on tie, like a lot has happened. Um, and, and it frees you up. It frees you up to enjoy other people, to love other people when you're not comparing yourself to other people. Um, I, again, comparing to God is scary. Comparing to others is challenging. And, and this is how C.S. Lewis talks about it. God wants to bring the man to a state of mind in which he could design the best cathedral in the world and know it to be the best and rejoice in the fact without being any more or less glad at having done it than he would be if it had been done by another. God wants us in the end to be so free from any bias in our own favor that we can rejoice in our own talents as frankly and gratefully as in our neighbor's talents or in a sunrise, an elephant, or a waterfall. Like, how free is that? Like, it, it, it's taken me a long time to sit out here and listen to someone giving a talk and delight in the ideas that they have, in the illustrations that they have, and not be sitting there thinking, man, I would have said it like this, or it, I don't know if I like it that much, or man, I wish I had thought of that. Or I just get so stuck on myself instead of enjoying other people, enjoying what they can do. Enjoying how God has made them because all of you are so unique, so magnificent, so special, uh, so sacred, if you will. And so to be able to delight and enjoy other people is such a beautiful way that hopefully God will change you and grow you and establish you uh, this summer. Um, so as much as you can, try to compare yourself yesterday to who you were yesterday and not to other people so that you can feel that freedom. Um, lastly, establish a love for Jesus. So understand yourself, love and delight in things outside of yourself, and then establish a love for him. I, I say Jesus, I, I almost said a love for God, but there, there are, are Muslims who have a love for God and there are Jews who have a love for God that are distinctly different from the love that we have for Jesus. The, the God that we serve is, is completely other because of Christ. So I think it's very important that it's not just love God, but it's love Jesus. And Paul invites us in Colossians to do this so often. And he does it so well. He talks about being filled with the knowledge of his will. He talks about increasing in the knowledge of God. I mean, Colossians 1.15 to 20, like mic drop. The image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, it's just like, you can just end there with how amazing Jesus is. But let me pick the mic back up. The riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you. Like, what, what even is that? You know, it's, it's so uh, eloquent and mysterious. I mean, it's got the word mystery in it. But it's that Christ is in you. It's that, like, that you would understand what it means that he is inside of you and changing you and making you something, a palace that he would live in all the more. It's, it's just wild. Uh, him we proclaim. I, I love it where he says that. Um, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Not some truth, not some doctrine, him. You need to know him. And that's what you learn so much from, is knowing him. Uh, talking about him. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So how do you get wise? How do you get knowledge? Well, who's got all the treasures? He does. It's in him, in Christ. And then we're getting there. This is just trailer. 
for next week. Colossians 2, 13 and 14. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him, in Christ. There's so much. I mean, this is just a a light sampling of all that he's done in Jesus for us that we would know more and more. But then think about it. Like, growing in in understanding yourself, delighting in other things and other people, like, knowing Jesus more like this, like, those are challenging things. And, And... I look at that and it starts to feel hard, but there's like a a surprise. Um, And then we get back to the theme verse. And this is why I love the theme verse. It says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. How do you receive something? Do you have to do anything? Not really, right? You, you You just receive it. You know, Dave and I were talking about it. It's like if you receive a football, it's just there. If you receive a letter, it's just there. If you receive a gift, it's just there. And so how do you walk in him? How do you be built up? How do you be established? It's just receiving him. Like, it's not based on what you do. It's not the effort that you put into it. It's an amazing reality. And, and I have this little app on my phone where if you touch the word, it tells you what it means in Greek. If you don't have one of these apps, I would recommend it. It makes you sound like a Greek scholar. Um, If you touch rooted, if you touch built up, if you touch established, are those active things that you're doing? Or are are those things that are being done to you? They're all passive. You're being rooted. You're being built up. You're being established. I mean, think about it. Like, no one, no building, no thing establishes themselves. They have to be established by something. They have to be established by someone. Who is establishing you? Who's helping you grow in your understanding of self? Who's helping you grow in your love for other people? Who's helping you grow and hunger more and delight in your love for Jesus Christ? He is. He's doing it. It's it's this wild reality that you just believe, you just receive, and then you're covered in him. And then he works himself into you. It's what he's doing. If you get up in the morning to read the Bible, it's not because you, you just put your mind to it. Why did you put your mind to it? Because he's at work in you. You study with someone else, you're convicted of sin, you you believe in him. Any of that stuff. It's not because of your effort. It's not because of your striving. And Paul tells us that in Colossians 1.29. He wants everyone to be mature, right? So he's toiling for this. He's struggling for this. How? Is it his energy? Is it his power? Is it his commitment as a super Christian? No. It's with all the energy that Jesus powerfully works in him. So the only way that he can do this is because of what Jesus is doing in him. So it all comes back to knowing Christ, to believing in Christ, to receiving him. And then as he's in you, it's the, it's the strength, the fuel to help you walk with him, to help you grow, to help you become more like him. It's like the most freeing reality of the Christian life because you could think, okay, I believe and that's all by grace, but then I have to grow and be changed and that's all by me. And what the Bible is telling you is, no, it's not. It's what he's doing in you. He's the one who's making a palace to live in. He is the road, and he is the point of the journey. He is the foundation, and he is the one who prepares the feast. He is the ground. He is the goal. It's all because of him. And that's why what he thinks of you is so ultimate, that you're loved by him. And then that that would affect the way that you think of him as the one who's doing it all in you. So... Uh, in the verse it says because you received him and, and are walking in him and he's doing this you should abound in thanksgiving every opportunity that you get to grow to, to understand more of him to be around other people to delight in them 
where people see things in your life that need to be changed, that need to grow, that need to be different. You should be so grateful for that because it's making you more uh, able to see him and know him. The, the less there is of you, the more there can be of him. And so the most beautiful quote by this French guy, I think, Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, I can't pronounce his name. If I had a French accent, it would be good. And this is where I want to close and then pray for us. And, uh, and then I have some reflection questions um, as well. <clears throat> if you want to build a ship, don't drum up people to collect wood and don't assign them tasks and work, but rather... Teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea. Trying to get you to work hard or pursue God or try to grow on your own is like, go get wood and stuff. But if you long for him, if you see all that he has done and is doing and will do in you, if you see that he's the ground and he's the goal, I think, I hope that will make you want to know him more. Want to understand yourself more. Want to love others more. Want to love him more. By knowing who he is. By knowing that if he's in the room and he's looking at you, he's pleased. He's delighted. That's who he is. He is a good, good father. And he loves his children. So get to know him. Make the most of it. Make little decisions to do that more and more, knowing that he's fueling all of it. So what I want to do is pray and ask God to do that. And then when we have, I don't know if we should do uh, music now or reflection now. Um, what do we usually do? Normally reflection for a little bit. Okay, let's do that. So first, don't forget the reminder at the beginning. What is God's face towards you? And knowing who he is, what's your view of him? Do you long for the endless immensity of all that God and Jesus are for you? Is that a reality in your life? If you feel like his face towards you is one of shame or anger or disappointment, what, why? What's going on? Can you talk about that? Um, do you need to grow more in establishing yourself or in establishing your love for others or in your love for Jesus? And maybe the easy ones. What do you delight in outside of yourself? And out of these areas, who can help you grow in one of those? Who can you ask for help? A very easy way to delight in other people is to ask them to help you and to speak into your life. It's the beauty of project. And then lastly, do you really believe that the Christian walk, that change, that growth, being established is a gift? Or do you think it's up to you? And why is that? So we'll, we'll play some music and ask yourself these questions. Be here. Think about it in your life. Don't think about it for someone else. Don't think, oh, I'm glad they're listening to this, or I hope they think about this. How does this apply to you? And we'll have staff and team leaders around if you want to talk through any of these questions. I'll be up here if you want to talk with me. We'll do that for a little bit, and then Zach and Anna will come up and lead us in a couple of songs that talk about who God is, that talk about what Jesus has done, that talk about him as the goal of our life. And it's such a beautiful uh, amazing supernatural reality. So let me pray and then jump into this. God, thank you so much for your son. Thank you so much for uh, a wise person like C.S. Lewis and a, a supernaturally empowered person like the Apostle Paul who could tell us truth in so many amazing and powerful and beautiful ways. Thank you, God, that as we received Christ as a gift by grace, we walk in him. <coughs> by the power of your grace and a wonderful gift. We're established. We're rooted. We don't do it. You do it to us. You do it for us. And that is so mind-blowing. And so, Lord, I pray that if someone in here does not know what your face towards them would be like, that they would, that they would not get distracted in what they need to do or what, what life looks like, what growth looks like, what change looks like, but they would be captivated by all that you are and all that you offer and that you're not calling people to believe in you and then walk a, a, a life of dutiful obedience, but an amazing journey, a feast in a banquet hall with you now and for all eternity. And for others, Lord, help them to be protected from trusting in their own strength 
and instead trusting in the strength that you supply, the energy that mightily works in us, all because of your son. And so we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach Minneapolis. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at clminneapolis.org.